You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners, to Breaking the Silence. We are so glad to have you, and we're really excited to have Alex Theobald with us today. Today, we are talking about building shame resilience, and Alex has some awesome tips and thoughts regarding building shame resilience. He's worked with Reach 10 a little bit over the years. He helped get it started, brainstorming ideas for it. Uh, so all of us know him quite a bit, so we're excited to have him back and, and to hear from him. Thanks for being here, Alex. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Creed. So to get started, could you let us know a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, so I am currently a doctoral student at Texas Tech, and I received a master's student in marriage and family therapy. Um, that's the same degree as my doctoral degree. And um, I'm anticipated to graduate with a PhD in 2022. If all things go well, I put a question mark at the end of that because sometimes dissertations take longer than expected. But if everything goes according to plan, 2022. I'm currently married. Ashley and I married in May of 2017, and we are expecting our first child coming in June. I'm 30 years old. I feel like uh, I'm like almost like a dating show a little bit, right? 30 years old, likes walks on the beach. Um, I, <laughs> I do more of a mountain guy, actually. So if we're going to go on a walk, uh, I like riding bikes or going on hikes with Ashley. Um, we both really enjoy a lot of music. And I think maybe our top fandom interest is Lord of the Rings. So yes. we both deeply love Lord of the Rings. Love that. And it's so good to see you and talk with you again, Alex. Yes. It feels like yesterday and yet 20 years ago that we were sitting in <laughs> Vana's living room talking yeah. about Reach 10 for the first time. And it wasn't even named Reach 10 at the time. We didn't no. even have a name. It was just ideas. And yeah. it's so amazing to see how far we've come and yeah. individually as well as an organization. Truly, it is, it is kind of a remarkable thing. I would not have guessed that I would be doing a podcast for this organization back on that couch. If you would have asked me back then, like, where do you think this is going to go? I always, I always had, you know, hopes and um, I always believed that this organization would be a really successful org and, and helping people develop healthier lives. I just had no idea the scope or breadth that it would reach. So it's exciting to be here. It definitely is. And it's so amazing how much reach that we are having. In fact, today I received a text message from a friend that I hadn't talked to in probably five years. And she just reached out to me and was like, Chriselle, I'm so grateful for your podcast. And it's not just my podcast, but you know, right. that's just what she was saying. <laughs> but I'm so grateful for this podcast because even though I don't have a relationship with a like recovering addict, all of the principles that you guys talk about are helping me in my relationships and they're helping me in my marriage. And I'm so grateful for them. And I was like, yes, I want everyone to hear this. And we are reaching people. So it is so great. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I'm glad that you're getting a lot of positive feedback too. Yeah. But I'm so excited to talk about shame resilience with you. I think this is such an important topic. Yeah. Um, and again, an important topic in recovery, but also an important topic if you have a pulse and you breathe and you're a human. So <laughs> yes. this is so, so good. And so can you talk to us a little bit about what shame is? 
Yeah. So let's start like before we did, you know, start becoming resilient to it. Let's talk about what, what it is and why we want to develop some resilience. There are lots of thoughts in terms of how to define shame or how to measure it, how to look at it. One of the definitions that I like is that it is an, an emotional experience or an emotion based on a judgment of your whole person, of who you are entirely. A mirroring emotion might be guilt which is an emotional experience based on a judgment of an action or a behavior. And what we notice with shame, at least in the language of shame, it's a lot of I am's, like I am a bad person. Um, that's one of like the archetypal shame statements. Whereas a guilt statement might sound like I've done a bad thing. And the reason why we want to become a little more shame resilient, right, is that belief that I am a bad person, it has really negative effects on a, an emotional level, a physical, biological level. It also has been shown to show significant distress within relationships. And so shame can become a really problematic emotional experience if we don't build some resilience to it. But hopefully through our conversation today, you can kind of identify that toxic shame, the, I would say the more destructive emotion and experience around, uh, around shame and, and maybe target that in terms of what we're becoming resilient to. So when you talk about the shame, what does that look like? Like, why is that kind of shame just like destructive or harmful totally. as opposed to helpful? Let's pull from some of the libraries of Alex, right? So I'll go back <laughs> to some times where I felt some major shame uh, when I was a kid, I approached um, one of my friend's parents. Now, this friend's parents, they were particularly kind and loving to me, and we had a very good relationship. And he was a joker. This, his father was kind of a tease. He would kind of participate in some behaviors that would, you know, uh, encourage risk-taking or, you know, like jumping off. The, he, he would always encourage us boys to go kind of go the extra mile and have a little bit more fun than say, a, a parent that was trying to keep us all indoors. He was very much an adventure dad. So with that context, um, we showed up at a Christmas party and he had a bald head. Now, he actually had a pretty good set of hair before this, but he suddenly had a bald head. And I approached him and kind of, you know, nudged his shoulder, like, hey, like, I, nice haircut. Did you lose a bet? Or I kind of joked with him that way. And his face kind of grimaced and he said, actually, Alex, I, I have cancer. And as a young 13-year-old kid, learning social cues and being awkward, I just immediately shut down. Like I felt like the worst person in that moment. You know, here I was just trying to make light of a haircut, but I immediately felt like this horrible person. Like I was bad. And, and I, I remember feeling shut down for the rest of the evening. I wasn't engaging with my friends. It was really hard for me to look at him in the eye. And like, I felt uncomfortable around him over our next few meetings. And so I look at that experience and had I been a little more shame resilient, it might've looked like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That was really insensitive of me to say, I want you to know I'm here, you know, as a I, I believe in you and I, I'm confident you can get through this. And I just want you to know, I'm sorry for saying that insensitive thing. So does that kind of paint a picture as to what shame might do and why it might be destructive in a, I guess, in a relational, emotional standpoint versus maybe what someone with a little more shame resilience might sound like or act like? Right. So if you had perhaps been more shame resilient in that experience, do you think you maybe would have been able to 
darn it, that was an uncomfortable situation and I truly am sorry about it. And kind of, kind of maybe leaving it more behind you as opposed to letting it, I guess, control your relationship with that man from that point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think about my disengagement that evening and I wasn't even like we were supposed to be, it was a Christmas party, right? And so we were playing games and opening presents and I just like none of it was enjoyable. Like I wasn't able to move on emotionally from that exchange for the rest of the evening. I was still locked in shame and really shut down. And in terms of you think about it in a couple of contexts, right? When you're in an intimate relationship, if one partner does something to really provoke shame, right? Or if they do something they're not proud of, that creates a whole bunch of different types of conflicts. You know, you might shut down, you might disengage. Shame can also show up. Like my example was a little bit more like a shut down, like hide away, isolate. But some shame can look like anger, blaming, you know, you can gaslight somebody. So there's different ways that shame can manifest itself. I don't know if that totally answered your question, Creed. Totally. Thank you. Yeah, I think we can totally relate to that feeling of wanting to shut down, disengage from people, relationships, situations, because we messed up. We did something wrong. Instead of, you know, using it as a way to improve or to learn uh, or make things better, which guilt can help us do. Shame, I believe, often, and this is something I learned in my recent class, a, a study about shame and guilt is that it causes us to hide causes us to not really improve, but just disengage and disconnect. So shame doesn't totally. seem like a great thing to, <laughs> or to live your life. No, no. Yeah, I think something that you brought up too is that it can also manifest itself in different ways is important too, because I, I can definitely relate to times in my life where I experienced what you talked about, where I just like went inward and literally could not get out of, yeah. oh my gosh, I just did that. Like, what right. in the heck was I thinking? And I do not deserve to live. But also, I think that there's been times in my life where it's shown up as I'm like, well, I messed up, so whatever. And I then numb all of my yeah. feelings. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, who cares? And I think that's really interesting that it can show up both ways. Yeah. Or and, and more it, than just both ways. I think there's more than just two ways, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think maybe an invitation to all of us as we're trying to build our our shame resilience is to start observing those moments where you might experience shame and you have some of these thoughts like, wow, I should just disappear right now. Or, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that or did that. And to be able to learn how to identify what your next reaction is. So we might experience shame and then notice, is my anger spiking? Is my shyness spiking? Am I becoming, I would say, more critical or accusing? Like, do I become snarky? Do I become aloof or ambivalent? Kind of like your second example, right? Like, I don't care. Whatever. Like, I just, I'm going to numb. You know, uh, to pay attention to what those second reactions are, what that does is it enables us to start tracking the shame. Sometimes we don't notice the shame first. We notice the anger. And sometimes if we're experiencing anger, it's easier to notice I'm angry. For whatever reason, we're more accustomed to talking about that. And if you were to say, man, I'm angry, just propose the question. I wonder if I'm also experiencing any shame right now. And if so, what about, right? If you're starting to feel like isolating or you feel like pulling out of a situation, be curious. Open up that question of, man, what else is going on for me right now? I wonder if there's some shame involved. And that can start to kind of help us become more mindful about our 
our experiences with shame. I really love this. And I think this is such a good coping skill, this idea of like observing and like asking questions about your experience from a place of non-judgment. And I think that's really key, especially in the definition you gave us about shame, is that it comes from a judgment about something that we did or who we are. And so if we can observe from a place of non-judgment or a place of love, and just notice things. I think how I think of it in my life is if I was looking at my life from a balcony, what would I see? Yeah. What are all the different things going on? What's the context? What's the emotional context? What did I eat for lunch? Have I <laughs> did eaten? I eat for lunch? <laughs> yeah. Did I yeah. eat? <laughs> That's an important factor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just noticing that helps me come from more of a place of non-judgment and observing rather than like staying trapped in the shame cycle and the shame gunk. Yeah. I really like this analogy too, Chriselle. And I think it's, uh, we can play with it a little bit to talk about how to build resilience. So building resilience is learning how to get to your balcony when you're not there. Cool. Right. So sometimes when we're locked in shame or a heightened emotional experience, it's hard for us to regulate those emotions, especially the more intense they become. So learning how to get to your balcony and get that space of non-judgment as, you know, as effectively and maybe even as quickly as possible can be helpful. I say quickly a little bit cautiously because I do think it's important for us to not avoid the emotion. So when working with shame resilience, I like the word resilience because it's not avoidance. <laughs> so we don't want to avoid shame or we don't want to deny shame or try to live a life of being shame-free. Like there's some ideologies out there. I have some, some concerns about that because shame is a natural phenomenon. And in, I think oh, a healthy approach to shame is to accept that we're going to experience it, maybe even on a daily basis, and then know what we're going to do with that emotion. Amen. I just want to, I just want to just amen all of that because that is so beautiful. I feel like that's something I've really struggled with in, I'm going to call it the Brene Brown movement. (laughs) And I love (laughs) her. But I, I feel like she triggered this like desire in a lot of people to get rid of shame in their lives. Mm, and so yeah. I, think, I think that what you're saying is so accurate because getting rid of shame or getting rid of anger or getting rid of darkness or getting rid of yeah. fill in the blank, I don't think that's the solution. Yeah, and I don't want to take said. that too extreme. But I think the solution is to be like, okay, I'm observing this or this is happening in my life. Why or what is it? about this that I'm learning about myself. Yeah, well said. I think one thing to be very careful about is that our shame is typically an internal experience. It's an internal judgment. I'll share this, and this is fresh, so like, I don't know who will read this or or listen to this soon, but I just had my annual review uh, of my program, and this is a time for all the faculty to get together and essentially tell you where you need improvement and where you're doing well. Well, they hit on some things that were really hard for me in my annual review. And it was very clear to me that they could see through some of my masks or my, like my barriers. And they went right to the core on some things that I really needed to work on. And it was really hard for me to hear that. My first initial experience, my knee jerk reaction was to try and explain it away. Right. I tried to intellectualize the problem. 
And that can be a form of avoiding the work of vulnerability and really leaning into some of that discomfort. And I think that desire to step out and explain away the issue came from a place of shame, right? And so what I had to do, and it's still a process I'm undergoing right now, I just had a meeting with some faculty members earlier to kind of walk through my plan of action to correct some of these things that I need to work on. And one of those things is, or one of those things that I would recommend all of us do is to lean into the pain and accept that, hey, yeah, this is uncomfortable. And it's okay that it's uncomfortable. I'm not going to try to avoid the discomfort. I'm going to try to respond effectively to the discomfort, but I'm not going to avoid discomfort. I think that presents its own set of issues. What I'm not suggesting is go out and shame yourself more, right? But rather accept that part of life is going to be shame, as well as guilt, as well as frustration, as well as happiness and peace and joy and right, be open to the full breadth of emotional experiencing. I, I keep that. I keep thinking of the the scripture in the Book of Mormon that talks about how there's opposition in all things, and that if there was no light, there could be no darkness. And if sure. there's no evil, there could be no good. And how that is just an integral part of our world. And I think that that's a truth that yes, we find in the Book of Mormon, but we see that everywhere. There's yeah. no night without day, and vice versa. No yeah. cold without warm or hot, and vice yeah. versa. Absolutely. Yeah, some thoughts on that. I I do really believe that all of our emotions have there's a there's a need behind it. Our our bodies are are made to tell us what's going on in our lives. And every emotion is is helpful to signal what's going on for us. This book that I've recently listened to, The Language of Emotions, talks about how we don't want to shut off these emotions. I mean any of them, because if we numb one emotion, kind of what Brene Brown also talks about is we numb all the other good emotions too. We have to let right. them flow, learn from them, be mindful of what's happening. I think the key here is is not always sitting in shame and just being ashamed. There's some right. kind of action or process that we can help ourselves to move out of that because we don't want to always stay in shame because as we just talked about, it's not helpful. Right. We need to learn from what that emotion is telling us and act based off of it, which will allow it to flow then we can move out of it and then we're in a good spot again. But that, right. Is that right? Oh, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I don't have a capital on what's right or wrong in this world, but I, I would agree with that statement that all emotions play a role. And I think for me, as I've learned to be shame resilience, I've become grateful for that response because it helps me connect to what I care about, right? So if we go back to my experience with my friend's dad who was fighting cancer, why was that such a shaming experience to me? And I think back to my you know, 14 year old self and it was probably had something to do with, you know, I, I cared about supporting people in their grief. And I did the exact opposite of that, you know, or I cared about being someone who loves people, whatever they're going through. And I wanted to be a support and not a hindrance or not a pain in the, in the neck of these people. And I think that insensitive comment I made, it was insensitive. It was not considering what could be. And it, it didn't fit with the values that I had. And so it, had I been more shame resilient, that shame trigger or that experience where it provoked that shame in me, I could have turned that into a relationship building opportunity. And so as we develop this skill of shame resilience, we find ourselves being more and more capable of turning those really human, imperfect moments into something that can be rather productive and effective. 
I love that. So what can we do to build more shame resilience? Yeah, this is a great question and probably merits books on books. <laughs> but uh, for, the, for the time we have together, a few thoughts. The first thing is to learn how to accept that you're in shame. First, acknowledge and accept, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. And then the second thing would be learn how to communicate that safely. So I think back to some experiences, right? I think about that friend and had I been able to turn to him and say, man, I feel bad for what I just did. That's acknowledging for, you know, that shame experience. I feel bad for what I just said. And then communicate like, I'm sorry, that was insensitive. How can I make it up to you? I want you to know I care about you. Like all those things I could have said to strengthen the relationship beyond that point could have been very beneficial. In other contexts, maybe where it's a little more private, where your shame is an isolated experience, where maybe, you know, someone working through mental health struggles or goals for themselves in their profession or their schooling, and they're not meeting those goals or they're not acting in a way that's going to help them get there. Sometimes we can get locked into this shame spiral and thinking, I'm just not good enough. I can't do it. I'm a horrible person. One thing that might be helpful there is to, again, acknowledge that I'm in shame and then reach out to someone who you know is in your corner, someone you know is going to be able to support you and just say the words, I'm in a lot of shame right now. And then express how you're feeling and ask if, you know, if they're open to kind of helping you process through that or work through it. The third thing I would say is after you process or after you communicate it is to act, take action towards living consistent with your values. So if I were to kind of review those things first, acknowledge or accept that you're in shame to communicate, uh, reach out for support, express the shame in a way that's healthy and safe. And then the third is to take action that's consistent with your values, be able to move or act in a way that will help correct the course really, really love this. And for me, one of the bigger ahas of this whole conversation is that when I think of all the times that like really stand out in my head that where I felt a lot of shame, it was because I realized that I wasn't acting towards my values in a way that was really painful, sometimes really embarrassing and, and oftentimes harmful to myself or to someone that I cared about very deeply. Right. Right. And, and so to recognize that we can totally change that, like I, yeah. I made a mistake and I can change that. That doesn't incriminate me forever. I hope no. that's the right word. <laughs> Definitely. And so being able to recognize, I don't have to stay stuck in my own judgment and yeah. my own experience. I can move yeah. forward. And, and I will say this and, and speaking specific, I, so I worked at, you know, an organization that worked with couples working through problematic pornography use affairs or other problematic sexual experiences or even sexual traumas. And, you know, in the work I've done there as a therapist, one of the things I've noticed is sometimes that acknowledge, communicate and act piece doesn't take into consideration another person's experience. So going back to what you just said, Let's say we really do hurt somebody's feelings and you work your shame resilience and you communicate, you apologize and you try to take actions to repair. That doesn't mean that they're going to be in the same space, right? We also have to give space to those individuals who we've hurt to heal. And that might take time. And so for someone who, you know, has offended or hurt their spouse and they try to go repair that. I would be as open to your own improvement and shame resilience as you are open to their 
space for their improvement and to walk in with some non-judgment for them and to not expect them to be in a perfect spot to come in and, you know, welcome you with open arms. Like, man, I'm so glad you're practicing shame resilience right now. Like they're, they're in their own space and, and that needs to be acknowledged and, and honored as well. So just wanted to, I appreciate you bringing up that point because I think sometimes we forget in working on ourselves that sometimes our behaviors and actions affect other people and we need to be considerate of them. This is so great. I mean, I've been taking notes and writing down everything that oh, you're good. saying because <laughs> I need to remember this. This is so good. And I love how simple it is to remember too. I mean, just based off of what you talked about, the three A's, I, I'm already calling them acknowledge, admit, or communicate, and act. Right. Right? Great. Yeah. That's in awesome. A, you've made it three A's. <laughs> in a yeah. place of non judgment towards yourself, towards others, mindfulness. I just love this. Thank you so much, Alex. This is this yeah, is awesome. I'm, I'm happy to. I'm happy to help you out, Creed. Yeah, I, I'm aware that most of the people listening to this, you know, have some level of shame resilience. So I hope that all of us here can recognize, hey, I probably done this right at some point in my life. Are you also maybe recognizing places where you can improve? Like, hopefully, that's the idea of this podcast, right? Is we're trying to improve our lives and become healthier humans. So that's awesome that you're taking notes. And we can definitely use the help of others through that process of building shame resilience. Oftentimes it's really helpful to get a therapist to help guide us through if we're feeling immense shame too often, how to guide us through that. But also when we do that act portion to reach out to those we are close to, to help guide us out of it. So using others as well is helpful. I can't say that enough. I think a lot of people try to tackle their mental health problems or their relationship problems or their financial problems, anything that's uh, very intimate and personal and kind of close to the heart. A lot of people feel this burden to tackle it on their own. And if you're experiencing significant mental health problems or maybe even not significant, I'm pro therapy for people that are generally healthy, but going through a hard time right? So I would go ahead and just reach out to those professionals or find a support group. Like right now, I'll, I'll be vulnerable on the air, right? So I have narcolepsy, it's a sleep disorder. And with this whole quarantine COVID-19 thing, my narcolepsy is having a heyday because I'm in the same place. There's no movement, all the typical sunlight I'd get or all the interactions socially I would get where I'd get a lot of energy. I'm not getting that as much. And so it's been really hard for me to manage my sleep disorder. And I've been reaching out to support groups that are online for people with sleep disorders to kind of understand, man, what's going on with you guys? How are we all working through this? Because admittedly, I've experienced a lot of shame around my sleep disorder. You know, I have an expecting wife that's doing housework and I'm taking yet another nap and I just feel like that lazy husband sometimes. But I have to recognize like, actually, Alex, there's more at play here than your character being lazy. Like, sure, you've been lazy at times in the past, but maybe this isn't one of those times and you need some support. I think, again, taking a step back and assessing where am I experiencing pain and struggle? Where can I get that support? Whether it's from a close friend, a professional, if, if you need some professional help, which I encourage. And then, I mean, obviously our religious leaders, our communities um, are also great supports there. Awesome. I thank you this. so much, Alex. This is all great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> we have loved having you come on and share all of your wisdom, especially about shame resilience and even understanding what shame really is. I think it's really helpful to dig in there and to uncover some of those 
uncomfy feelings and and feel them and then move on. Yeah. No, not a problem. I hope that listeners today and all of us uh, participating in the podcast can get something out of this. And um, I know I did. I, it's always good to you know they say that you learn a lot through teaching. And I, I know that as I've had this podcast today, it feels like I've I've also been able to learn like, man, yeah, I need to work on my shame resilience around narcolepsy. Like that was an insight I had today. So I appreciate the opportunity to explore this with you all. Definitely. Yes. And like Alex talked about earlier, if you had an aha today and you had something that was like, hmm, it just like sparked something in you, take action, act on it. It could be one step. It could be two steps. It could be a half a step. Just take action. And next time during this week or in the future, when you feel a shame storm coming on in your life, remember the three A's, acknowledge, admit, and act and get back to your balcony and know that you're a person of worth. Let's do this together. I love it. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.